0: Meaningless thought. The shallop is strong, but the inside is right. It's time to be stirred. The time is now. The winds have changed. Read the signs, no time to hide. The winds have changed.
1: Millennia ago. From the little cave on the tiny island of Podmos in the Aegean Sea, the heavens opened. Since then, the world has been fascinated by the cosmic upheaval brewing on the horizon of history. The upheaval is now upon us. It is within us. To some degree, it always has been. But there has been a sudden and violent shift in the affairs of the world. The winds have changed. Heaven will not be silent. Let's now join Father Anthony Bush, pastor of St. Stanislaus Koska, the Sanctuary of the Divine Mercy in Chicago, and author of A Mother's Plea, for the winds have changed. Together we can pave the way for a hopeful response to the signs of our times.
2: Good afternoon and welcome to the winds of change. My name is David Carollo, sitting in today for Father Anthony. It's uh, good to be back, good to be uh, hosting the show today. And uh, just kind of thinking of some things a little earlier, um, 2021 is almost behind us here, has come along. It kind of seems impossible that we are one-fifth of the way through the new millennium. You know, the 21st century seemed so far off when I was younger. Uh, I guess they say that time flies when you're having fun. But I, I, I will say that we had a, a it, it's, it's an interesting thing. I always looked at what would the 21st century be? Well, uh, we're seeing it. We saw the first twenty years. there have been upheaval throughout this entire century. When you really think about it, uh, I mean, what happened right in you know 2001, September 11th, the, the attacks on the U.S. Kind of an unprecedented thing, and um, I think it just it just set the tone for maybe a, a, a century, which uh, perhaps we we are. Um, I mean, we looking at, at, at things, maybe in this country and in the world we see things you know, things things differently now. So anyway, it is noon, and as it is noon I like to start with prayer. So let's start with the Angelus, if we can. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. So anyway, very, uh, very good to be here today. And as I said before, it just seems like we're, we're flying through this, this uh, century. My goodness, uh, uh, the last two years, of course, I think are, are, have been <laughs> interesting to say the least. Um, I hope they've been uh, beneficial, people growing perhaps in faith. I know uh, uh, difficult times should be about good things. I've been traveling a bit more than I had been for a while. I was in Portugal a couple of weeks ago. And, of course, uh, um, uh, travel is a little different today than it was, I guess, you know, uh, because we are in difficult times. But I think, you know, what I've seen everywhere, both here and in Europe, is division amongst people this social distancing thing whenever I see that it kind of gives me the willies because I think of the devil the devil is the divider and we're keeping people away from each other and that's not good I mean I think that you know not and again as I've said many times I'm not a medical expert so I'm not I'm not making any claims about safety and this type of thing although I do think it's been a little bit overblown and uh, the restrictions on people are really I don't know if they're doing any good I think they're they're hurting us you know but anyway, um, I want to today talk a little bit about uh, this, the feast that we celebrate today. And today we're celebrating the feast of St. Pope John Paul II. October 22nd, it was chosen as his feast day to remember the anniversary of the liturgical inauguration of his papacy in 1978. And I recall that very strongly. I remember, I was, uh, I remember turning on the radio and hearing that uh, Pope Paul VI had died. And wow and it was it was Pope you know he had been Holy Father for a good number of years of course since what the early 1960s after the death of, uh, of Saint Pope John the 23rd and um, he died and then there was a new election and this this you know and uh, Pope John Paul the first was elected and so well interesting a lot of it seemed like continuity and all that and then 30 some days later boom I Wake up one morning to a news story that for the second time in a month, (laughs) we have a vacancy in the papacy. And wow, that was interesting. And then came Pope John Paul II. He came on the scene. And, you know, I, I think, you know, in this show today, I'd like to talk a bit about his papacy and his devotion to Our Lady of Fatima. Uh, you know he was very much the fatima pope and of course for those who don't know me i serve as the executive director of the world Apostolate of fatima usa our lady's blue army and i'm located primarily in new jersey i um I, of course to be back i'm a i am am a chicagoan so i'm back and forth here often and we have had many things that have come out in my my years here my many years of involvement in the apostolate and it just seems like so many of the things have paralleled the life of uh, Pope John Paul II. You know, just a little recap on some of the things that we've done in these recent years. You know, back in 2016, I say back in 2016, it, it, it seems like yesterday. But we produced a documentary movie on Fatima and a 13-part miniseries on the apparitions at Fatima, and both of those are available if you'd like to see those on BlueArmy.com. Very timely, actually, today because as things are unfolding in these last year and a half. Um, I think you see the Fatima message coming out very, very strongly, and both of these um, these things have been they played regularly on EWTN television and on other venues. Uh, the 13-part series is is viewable right online on, at BlueArmy.com. So I, both in English and in Spanish, and I, I, I kind of recommend maybe you, you listen a little bit. It gives a little history of the Fatima messages. Uh, it also gives you a little bit of the vision or perhaps something about the messages and the warnings that were out there. And these are things I think we're we're starting to see. We're living these. Um, I know that as the the Fatima centennial years of 2016 and 2017 came to be, of course, 2016 was the centennial anniversary of the apparitions of the Angel of Peace, followed by the centennial in 2017 of the, uh, the apparitions of Our Lady of Fatima. And during that time, we, we, we just felt that we were really at an apex, and afterwards people were asking, what do you think was the fruit of that centennial? And I think a lot of it was transparency, I think what has come out, as sad as a lot of the news has been in these last years, of course 2018, a lot of the scandals that were in the church came out, we, we saw that firsthand. Um, I, and, and I think maybe people had somewhat been aware of it, but maybe not to the degree and the depth that had been there. I believe that's part of the grace of the Fatima year, the Fatima centennial that brought out, opened up our eyes maybe to many things. Um, of course, then here we come into 2020 and uh, nobody has to, uh, I don't have to tell you how difficult the, the, uh, the times of the pandemic have been. Uh, the, 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 certainly, the physical aspects of it, and there's there's danger, and and, and certainly, you know, things have to. But, but what has happened politically as a result of a lot of this, I think, is very scary right now. And people need to understand that you know, there's always in times of of, of emergency and urgency, can bring about. Uh, tyranny. I think we have to be careful. And, and, and it's not even necessarily part of a master plan. Some will say it is. I'll leave that to everybody's discretion. But it, it, is, it is what happens. We, we tend to look for more security in times of trouble. And I think we give up a lot of freedom doing that. And we have to be careful. Uh, we, we lost our freedom to worship for, for quite a period of time there, I, and that to me was devastating. I'm so happy, especially at St. Stan Koska here, you know, the perpetual adoration, which is now back in full swing, because, because this is what we need more than ever. Now, again, as I said, I'm the, I'm the executive director of the World Apostle of Fatima, Our Lady's Blue Army, and we operate the Blue Army Shrine in Washington, New Jersey. And what we did at the time is that even when the masses couldn't be publicly attended, we live-streamed them every day. And as soon as the mass was over, exposition of the Blessed Sacrament and the doors were open for people to come in. I always questioned why we, we couldn't have people in for the mass but could have them in for, for the adoration. But that's fine. That said, it, it, it is just how it, um, how it worked out. So, uh, but now we, we're, you know, we're in the, uh, uh, you know, here we are in time now, uh, hopefully we'll never see that type of thing again because it, is, it was very disturbing. You know. But there, you know, there are many different ways that, uh, that we evangelize in this apostolate. And again, I want to, maybe after the break, I want to come back and talk a little bit more about Pope John Paul II. I say a lot more about Pope John Paul II because the times he talked about it, the, the prophecies of Fatima and what he spoke about and warned us of and prepared us for in many ways. I believe I think he prepared us a lot for these times, if our eyes were open. You know, we accomplish our mission. You know, in twofold ways. We want to bring people to bring Fatima to the people, and then bring people to Fatima. That's really what we try to do. We offer pilgrimages to Fatima and beyond, and and and, and by bringing you know bringing people there, they get a full understanding of that message of Fatima. We also have uh, pilgrimages to other places in the world don't need to tell you right now it's a difficult time to be in any kind of travel business we also own the hotel retreat center domus Pachas in fatima as well as its headquarters our international apostolate and anything in the hospitality industry is hurting um i want to believe we're going to survive i think if it's if it's god's will i believe we will although there are there are difficulties over there but you know we're struggling but you know the mission given to us in 1947 uh, by our co founders, you know, kind of set this mission in motion. And our primary means of bringing people, to, you know, to bringing Fatima to the people here is certainly through our divisions around the country and many dioceses in the U.S. But our Pilgrim Virgin Statue Program that travels around, our custodians go around in that beautiful motorhome that has Our Lady all over it. And just, just seeing that, drive, that billboard, if you will, driving down the roads really does bring a lot of interest. Uh, we, back in the, in the centennial period of 2016, 2017, we, uh, we went on an initiative to visit 100 dioceses in 100 weeks over the two years. And we actually visited 140 dioceses. We were in every state in the Union, uh, including Alaska and Hawaii, not with a motor though, though we flew them there. But it really, really, uh, I think, set a tone. Our Lady of Fatima, it, it, the, so relevant. It's so relevant. Her, 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 you know, her message is more relevant today than it was in 1917. And those are the words of Saint Pope John Paul II, who I want to highlight more in this show today. Uh, he said that back in the 90s. He said, more relevant today than it was in 1917. And I believe that here in 2021, it's even more relevant than it was when he made the, that statement back in the 90s. Because uh, we, we are living, I think, in the time of the prophecies of Fatima. Um, we are living, you know, with the warnings. We're living with the result, perhaps, of not, not following Our Lady's messages as they were intended or, you know, if my requests are not heeded, well, look at what's happened in the world. Russia would spread her errors. Well, my goodness, did they ever look at the the Cold War that came, went. But I think people got a little lazy afterwards and realized that, that those errors had spread. And now you're dealing with it in China, good example, and so many other countries that live under totalitarianism. It's, and it's atheistic communism. That's the danger part. The atheistic part is really, um, you know, what the problem is. But... Um, but anyway, we, um, we are with, um, uh, you know, in these times, we are, are, you know, we need to live up to the message of Fatima. We need to live up to what Our Lady asked us in 1917 and what has always been asked of us as Catholics you know so it's it's really a time our apostolate again is in washington new jersey we operate a shrine that sits on 150 acres of beautiful land in western new jersey about 50 miles west of new york all of our events are are, are you're able to watch them on our to go to our website bluearmy.com many of them are covered by ewtn television all of uh, four of the sixth uh, 13th of the month events through the season this year were covered by ewtn very very beautifully connected directly with them but go to bluearmy.com for more information and um, again our daily mass is also broadcast and you can see it which is at noon eastern time i have to take a break and when i come back i'd like to delve in a little more to this uh to this history of saint pope john paul ii and fatima my name is david carollo i'm sitting in today for father anthony on winds of change the new EWTN Catholic Radio Voice for Chicagoland, WSFI Catholic Radio on AM 750 WNDZ and on 88.5 WSFI. 911,
1: what's the
0: nature of your emergency?
1: When we're in crisis, where do we turn? We turn to our first responders, the people who run to danger to protect us. These days, our first responders do not often receive the acknowledgment they deserve for their bravery and personal sacrifice. On Sunday, October 24th at 10 a.m., St. Stanislaus Kostka Parish celebrates a blue mass, recognizing our first responders, including police, fire, and emergency medical personnel. Come and celebrate with us at the blue mass, Sunday, October 24th at 10 a.m. St. Stanislaus Kostka is located two blocks north of Division on Noble, just off the Kennedy Expressway. Visit ststandschurch.org. The Winds of Change. The Winds of Change. St. Stanislaus Koska Academy. St. Stan's is an exceptional private elementary school in Chicago, serving preschool, age 3 and 4, pre-kindergarten, kindergarten, and first grades. We incorporate Catholic values and rigorous academic social-emotional learning, Chinese, Spanish, STEM, and more, providing our students with leadership and life skills to transform our world. St. Stanislaus Koska Academy is conveniently located one block north of Division on Noble, just off the Kennedy Expressway. To schedule your tour, visit ststanschicago.org. Chicago. .org. Welcome back,
2: David Carollo sitting in today for Father Anthony on Winds of Change. And I want to I want to give a plug for a couple things that we're involved in here that are coming actually this weekend. I want to invite you all to join us on Saturday, October 23rd, for a Rosary Confraternity event that we're holding at the Blue Army Shrine. It begins at 1:30 p.m. And of course, people aren't going to be in the New Jersey area to see this necessarily who are listening, but but you can, you can also watch it. You can connect on our website with it. And we're screening the movie The Bridge of Roses. It's the story of Our Lady of the Cape. And it's about the miracle of the ice bridge that led to the national shrine of Our Lady of the Cape in uh, Cap de la Madeleine, Quebec, Canada. And a priest who vowed to promote the confraternity of the Holy Rosary It's a beautiful story about the beginnings of the faith in North America and Our Lady's role in it. You know, and and it's so very important in this time. We will be pre enrolling people in the confraternity, the Holy Rosary. And of course, on November 8th, then we will be doing the actual enrollments. But the movie will help you understand this important initiative that is is really growing and expanding across the country through Marian shrines such as ours. Please join us at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time for the programming and screening of the movie. And you can do that by connecting with bluearmy.com forward slash rosary confraternity. Uh, you'll be able to get, get access to the movie, and then maybe hear uh, a little bit of the, of the commentary that's that's coming with it. But um, I also want to promote another movie here that's coming. Uh, it, there's a beautiful movie on Purgatory, which has just been released. Purgatorymovie.com. It's a movie by Michael Conrad, and if you uh, if you go to that website, Purgatorymovie.com, uh, look for it. You know, Purgatory is a big part of our Catholic. Uh, Believe you know we we work hard and in this postulate as as Catholics throughout, um, we work towards the salvation of souls. But let's be realistic, you know very few people leave this earth without a little dust on their clothes, and we all have to purify in purgatory, and the souls in purgatory cannot help themselves; they depend on us. And I've had many times as a guest on this show, uh, Susan Tassoni, known as the Purgatory Lady. She's actually in others who have spoken so much about this, this Catholic teaching. But not only can the pur- that we help them, but they can help us. You know, the souls in Purgatory cannot help themselves. That's just by the design of God. But but they can help us. Their prayers. Keep in mind, these are people that are saved. They are saints in reality, although they haven't quite you know, met the standard of heaven and they're being purified for that. But the reality is these are people that can help us and help us substantially. And, you know, I I look at the souls in purgatory, especially I I say if there's, let's say you have a particular sin that is an issue for you and that you have trouble overcoming. You know, I always say, ask that soul in purgatory who overcame that same inefficiency or, in you know, difficulty, imperfection. How did you do it? Help me to be perfected, and I think we find that that's uh, that is really um, uh, you know that that's important. I mean, we are you know we, we we are we are the community of saints. We have to be together in this world, and uh, and we are the church militant here on earth. That's the church suffering in purgatory, and the sufferings are terrible for the people in purgatory, terribly. And then, of course, to the Church triumphant. So, you know, I I mean, we just have to uh, we have to know that we are part of 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 something bigger than us. You know, so you know, as as I said earlier, today is the feast of Saint Pope John Paul II, and I had the honor uh, to meet him on four different occasions. He he is known, you know, for many many great accomplishments. You know, personally, I watched as he brought the papacy back to political relevance. You know his partnerships with President Reagan and other world leaders such as British Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher really brought about the defeat of the Soviet Union while helping that nation, which is traditionally Christian, back to its roots. And I think that was equally as important. Russia traditionally has had more oratories dedicated to Our Lady than any other country in the world. I spoke there on several occasions. And experience firsthand the, the Christian traditions that not even seventy years of mandated atheism could erase. You know, the Holy Father, as as his predecessors also knew, that the Russian people were not the enemy, but the communist leaders who sought to take God out of the equation of governance and of daily life were the enemy. You know, today we look at China in the same light. We must. Uh, wonderful, wonderful, good people there who just want more. They want good things, and you know they're under this the thumb of this communist regime. Uh, and other places in the world, Cuba, excuse me, uh, you know Venezuela. I mean, there are so many countries. You know, North Korea. Have they, they don't see the light of day. What they don't see the truth. We're very fortunate, but you know, we're in danger in this country too we're losing our freedoms we're losing our and our, even our freedoms in the, in, the, in the you know the media and all of that you know our views are very much being marginalized right now and let's be careful that we don't end up in a situation like that you know but you know i, I think few wonder you know how how he would handle how would pope john paul ii handle relationships uh, you know in this newer adversary of the faith i think he would have you know i i don't know i, I, I think his he was a man of strength he was you know he was, uh, you know, he was, he was looked up to as a leader who put all online all on the line for God you know in this time when our faith is under attack in this country as well as in the rest of the world we need to act as this great man did I mean he really was something you know he was one of the most popular and well-loved pontiffs of this generation and Pope Francis canonized Saint Pope John Paul II with Pope John the uh, 23rd on April 27th of 2014. Uh, a Divine Mercy Sunday and observance that he that that was actually established by Saint Pope John Paul II. Uh, I've got an interesting story. Um, I was in uh, my wife and I were in Krakow, Poland, on the day of the canonization. Uh, we had some things. My wife is from Poland, and we had some things we wanted to do there. And so <laughs> we we went we went there, and we had we it was we were doing the Divine Mercy. Um, you know, Novena after we, from Easter. I said, well, that's the best way we can finish this would be at the, at the tomb of St. Faustina. So we did, and we were in Krakow for a couple of days. And um, while we were there, um, that Sunday was very interesting. Every place I went, people were speaking Italian. And so I, I surmised that every Pole had had a, some kind of a, a sharing arrangement. They had gone to Rome for the canonization of Pope John Paul II, and then the Italians came to Poland that day. It seemed, at least, it seemed that way. So we had a, but it was very much to be there. And We were in front of the uh, of the Cardinal's residence, of course, where he spoke from for many, many years and inspired the Polish people in a time that that was, you know, you know what what you know what kept things going in Poland was the was his the strength of not just him, but people such as him who stood up and said, this is not the way of God, and we are going to keep our churches open. And his predecessors really set that in tone. But we're going to fight for our faith because that's the most important thing we have. We may not have certain freedoms. We may not have some of the economic prosperity that other nations have, but we have our Catholic faith. And because of that, it really remained one of the most Catholic countries in the world, even to this day. Now they're, you know, unfortunately they're suffering from a lot of uh, secularism and and, and uh, commercialism. I know we go there now and we see all kinds of advertising in that beautiful square in uh, in Krakow and other places. But uh, it, it, there's, you know, there's still the heart. The, the, there's the heart of John Paul II there, and of his predecessors who really, really um, uh, wanted to. Uh, you know, he, be not afraid. That was always what he said. He said that to to, uh, to us, obviously, when he started his papacy. Papacy. When he went back to Poland in nineteen seventy nine, and he spoke to the workers in Donsk Poland about you know, which really kind of spurred the solidarity movement. You know, he just said, "Be not afraid. We're Catholics. We have the you know the greatest message that's that's ever been given, and we have to know that, and we have to fight like like people of God, which we are." And, and I think he made that, you know, and I think being the first non-Italian uh, pope in 400, what, 455 years, I believe it was, um, he really, uh, he set a new tone. I think, they, you know, a Slavic pope, he had come from from a country under, you know, under the thumb of atheism, under the thumb of the Soviet Union for so many years. And I think he had a, uh, you know, he was he was... Rather fearless. He had fought the Nazis before that. Um, He always stood up for the faith. He wasn't about to, to, you know, he had had given up too much personally to expect anything less from the people in Poland as as the cardinal archbishop of Krakow, but even more so when he became the Holy Father. He knew what was coming in the world. And I think, you know, that, and, and that is really a, a big thing to consider. You know, he was, he understood that we were in very, very perilous times, not just in, uh, uh, you know, not just in, in, in the Eastern Bloc, but definitely, definitely in the, um, in the world in general. And he came here in 1976 as the Archbishop, Cardinal Archbishop of Krakow. And he spoke at the Eucharistic Congress in Philadelphia. That was 1976. It was for the Bicentennial celebration and the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Of course, those in my age group, many of you, you remember the, the Bicentennial. Um, and, and I think that, you know, I, I want to believe that maybe American, well, I don't I it's hard to say, maybe, maybe American feelings were at a, at a high at that point. But I, you could see that it was diminishing in many ways. I mean, the, the 1960s and 70s had really diminished who we were as a patriotic people. But he spoke some words that were extremely prophetic. And, you know, he said, he said his quote is, We are now standing in the face of the greatest historical confrontation humanity has ever experienced. I do not think that the wide circle of American society or the whole wide circle of the Christian community realized this fully. We are now facing the final confrontation between the church and the anti-church, between the gospel and the anti-gospel, between Christ and the antichrist. The confrontation lies within the plans of divine providence. It is therefore in God's plan, and it must be a trial which the church must take up and face courageously. He also said that, that we can mitigate what's coming, but we cannot totally eliminate it. You know, when he said here, it's, it's like he said that, that we, we now have to rebuild. Persecution is coming for the faith worldwide. It's here. I mean, look at the things we're facing in our own country, which, again, as I've said, it's almost shocking growing up as American to see the things that, that we just totally understood to be w- without question. Are being are being just you know questioned every time we turn around. Our whole our whole Catholic and our whole our, our, our Christ, Christian founding in this country has just been it's just being flipped. Every every um, symbol of our faith is being questioned or even destroyed. You know, uh, in 2019 we did a a tour with the Pilgrim Virgin statue of the missions of California. I think I mentioned this on the show before where we went from San Diego to San Francisco visiting the missions. And, and, and the leading figure there is St. Junipero Serra in the beautiful work when he brought with the monks when they were bringing the faith to the people. And now he's, he's you know, vilified as, as some kind of a conqueror. who is I mean, he actually went to Mexico and pled for, you know, for respect for the native people here. I never see that, that that recorded, and that's the problem. I've never seen that set anymore, as they try to try to cancel him out. So, anyway, I want to get a little more into what Saint Pope John Paul II had to um, uh, had to say in seventy six and beyond, and then when he came into his papacy about about the world and about the Fatima message. So we have to take another break right now. When we come back, we'll delve more into that. My name is David Carollo, and I'm sitting in today for Father Anthony on Winds of Change on the new EWTN Catholic Radio Voice for Chicagoland, WSFI Catholic Radio on AM 750 and on 88.5 WSFI.
0: 911, what's the nature of your emergency?
1: When we're in crisis, where do we turn? We turn to our first responders, the people who run to danger to protect us. These days, our first responders do not often receive the acknowledgement they deserve for their bravery and personal sacrifice. On Sunday, October 24th at 10 a.m., St. Stanislaus Kostka Parish celebrates a Blue Mass recognizing our first responders, including police, fire, and emergency medical personnel. Come and celebrate with us at the Blue Mass, Sunday, October 24th at 10 a.m. St. Stanislaus Kostka, is located two blocks north of division on Noble, just off the Kennedy Expressway. Visit ststandschurch.org. We are the
0: students of St. Stan LaCosta Academy, and you're listening to the winds of change.
1: You are invited to Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church for the health and salvation of our nation, Friday, October 29th at 7 p.m. This Vesper service will feature the famous choral setting of Russian composer Sergei Rachmaninoff. Following the Vespers, the church will remain open for prayer throughout the night. Fasting during that day is recommended as part of the prayer vigil. Vespers with all night vigil for the health and salvation of our nation Friday, October 29th at 7 p.m. at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church, 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Visit byzantinecatholic.com for more details.
2: Welcome back. David is sitting in again for Father Anthony here on Winds of Change. And just listening to that last ad about the Vespers and the all-night vigil. You know, we at the World Apostle of Fatima, at the Blue Army, we were founded as the Blue Army uh, in 1947. And next year, we will be celebrating our 75th anniversary as an apostolate. And one of the things that we are, going, we are promoting in this time is the, um, uh, the all-night vigils, which we've had going for many years throughout the country. Chicago, three a month uh, for, for many time. We got a little sidetracked during COVID. But um, again, it, it, is the, it is the core of who we are is prayer. It's, it's, it's reparation for sin. And you make reparation best for sin. You make reparation eucharistically in front of the blessed sacrament that's why you know saint stans is so special having perpetual adoration and people that aren't aware of it you know just get off you get if you're driving down that kennedy expressway when i go by there my car almost automatically wants to come off and go by saint stans and make a make a at least a prayer in front of the blessed sacrament but during this during this centennial excuse me this anniversary 75th anniversary year we are uh, now going to um go more and more, push more and more, and now the all-night vigils again. This is what will save the world, what will save the country, the rosary and Eucharistic reparation. That's really what it's all about. That's what the Fatima message is all about. <clears throat> reparation, reparation, Eucharistic reparation. Those aren't my words. Those are the words of the the late uh, former, uh, the bishop emeritus, who has passed away since Bishop John Bonancio was bishop of Fatima. Eucharistic reparation, that's what is the, the Fatima message is all about. And, you know, Pope, Pope John Paul II knew this so well. It's interesting that that uh, even before the assassination attempt on him, I mean, he was, and like I say, many of the Fatima Pope. He comes in 1978, 79, he comes on the world stage, and, I mean, truly, he came to Chicago in 1979, I remember that vividly. Um, he, went to, he went to his native Poland, and he, and he encouraged the people there as to where to go. And um, that, that really, I think, again, that's what, what working together, I think. You know, he worked very much with, with the political uh, you know, leaders of that day, Ronald Reagan primarily, um, Margaret Thatcher, others. But I think he, you know, he, he, he said things that had to be said at certain times, I think, working with them. And, and, and it, was, it was beautifully mastered. All he did was bring the truth. I mean, he was, not, he was not a political figure. He was a spiritual figure in the political realm, but he wasn't afraid to be in that political realm because he had been there all his life and very strong. But it's very interesting, you know, uh, one of the things that was always big was the speculation about the third part of the Fatima secret, okay? The Fatima secrets, what is it, you know, the vision of hell, the, the, the prediction of World War II, they came to be. Now comes the third secret, and, and I've talked about this before many times but in the light of St. Pope John Paul II. And, and you know, the, it, just a little history that our Sister Lucia had written it down, and then it was given through the Bishop of, of Fatima to the Holy Father with the instructions, please do not release this before 1960. Well, that increased all of the speculation. 1960 came, it was read by the Pope, it was closed, and that was it. It was never released. Here we are in 1980. I mean, so Pope John Paul II was interviewed Um, uh, by a a magazine, a German magazine actually, and he was asked explicitly to speak about the third part of the Fatima secret, which I think is very relevant today. And his, his, his remarks were this. He said, look, because of the seriousness of its contents, in order not to encourage worldwide the power of communism to carry out certain coups, my predecessors in the chair of Peter have diplomatically preferred to withhold this publication. He went on to say then, On the other hand, it should be sufficient for all Christians to know this much. If there is a message which is said that the oceans will flood entire sections of the earth, and that from one moment to the other millions of people will perish, there is no longer any point in really wanting to publish the secret message. Many, he said, want to know merely out of curiosity or because of their taste for sensationalism. But they forget that to know implies for them a responsibility. He went on. It is dangerous to want to satisfy one's curiosity only if one is convinced that we can do nothing against a catastrophe that's been predicted. He then held up his rosary. He said, here is a remedy against this evil. Pray. Pray and ask for nothing else. Put everything in the hands of the Mother of God. And, you know, it's very interesting because... Um, uh, You know, this is we are. We're so people are jumping off the cliff with prophecy right now, and no disrespect meant, but people are are saying, Ah, see, this is it. This is what our lady told about. Now this is going to happen, and that's going to happen. I don't believe this. I believe it's in our it's in our under our control. Now that doesn't mean that we're not going to go through difficulty. Please don't 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 mis you know mistake what I'm saying here. But he was also asked, you know, what would happen in the church. You know, and I think that goes more even in 1976 and in this one. He said this, he said, We must be prepared to undergo great trials in the not-too-distant future. Trials that require us to be ready to give up even our lives as a total gift of self to Christ and for Christ. Through your prayers and mine, and this is important, it is possible to alleviate this tribulation, but he admitted it is no longer possible to avert it. Because it is only in this way that the church can be effectively renewed. How many times, indeed, has the renewal of the church been effected in blood? This time, again, it will not be otherwise. We must be strong. We must prepare ourselves. We must entrust ourselves to Christ and to his Holy Mother. And we must be attentive, very attentive, to the prayer of the Holy Rosary. The words of St. John Paul II, you know. And when the third part of The Secret was released in the year 2000 by him, it was revealed that the child seers, Lucia, Jacinta, and Francisco, were shown a vision that's been interpreted as the devastation of the church. And think about where we're at today. You know, the Holy Father being slain while ascending the hill towards the cross amid a pile of dead bodies strewn all about. You know, the carnage of the last 100 years is amazing. It's said that more people were martyred for the faith in this last hundred years and in the previous 19 centuries of Christianity combined. So there's, there's been a lot. But then he said they also saw in, that, in that, that vision, they saw an angel with a flaming sword in a position to thrust a conflagration upon the earth. As he was about to send down the wrath of God, the arm of Mary reached out and stopped this from happening. You know, the intercessory power of Our Lady is absolutely imaginable. And then the strong words that the angel spoke. Penance, penance, penance. That's it. You know, penance and Eucharistic reparation are the essence of the Fatima message, and they truly are the essence of our Catholic faith. You know, we have fallen short. You know, Christ saw every every sin from the cross, every sin ever committed. It's almost. I mean, it's always, I mean, I can't even imagine seeing all my sins, but he saw every sin of every person, the divine human. And he made sufficient reparation, not to clean the slate, but to give us what we need to then fulfill it. And I think that's what what, what people, you know, that's where we part company, I think, with our our Protestant brethren, is that, you know, okay, well, he, he cleaned the slate completely and we are, and we cannot do what God did. Well, that's true. We can't do what he did, but we can do what he desires. And he desired that we join into that, you know. Um, we have to. We have to be. We have to look for holiness. We have to make that reparation. We have to work for the salvation of souls. The Fatima message says this. You know, I mean, this is. This has been going on since the beginning of time. I mean, our first parents sinned, and you know, the, the you know, rebel angels sinned prior. We had a chance to be redeemed. They didn't. Uh, I mean, by their nature, perhaps. You know, I, I mean, I, I don't know. They said if anybody ever saw an angel, they would just drop dead. So, I mean, they're they're creatures beyond anything that we really can uh, can really even even imagine. Only imagine that. And, and, and if if you if that was the case, imagine what the vision of God would be like. You know, this is why there's purgatory, and that's why you know there's there's a need to perfect when we you know when we are. When we, you know, we look for the salvation of souls, we want to bring people to repentance and people to come back to living in accord with the, with the Gospels and the laws of God. And, you know, and I know when people die, many, many good people, people we love, they'll say, oh, what a holy person. And, and, and by our standards, they probably are and were. But we don't know God's standards. They're, they're way beyond us. And we are living in such a diminished world as a diminished people you know, because of the effects of original sin and then actual sin afterwards. I mean, we cannot blame everything on Adam and Eve. They may have opened a door to something terrible, but we certainly, uh, we certainly have participated in this diminishment. You know, uh, original sin, you know, separated mankind from God, you know, physically, spiritually, and in thought. And I think that's really where, where we have the we, we don't think like God. You know, we, we do not, I mean, Adam and Eve had that infused knowledge, which is why their sin, which seems relatively minor to us, was so major. Uh, Our Lady, without you know, being conceived without original sin, she almost certainly had that infused knowledge. So she understood and understands today the horror of sin and separation from God, which is why, like the Fatima message and, and other apparitions, she wants to bring us back to reparation for sin reparation standing in front of God you know we just we don't understand the magnitude of it we will never really comprehend the magnitude of the acts of defiance of, of our first parents of the rebel angels you know it is it is beyond and hopefully if we perfect ourselves properly which we have to do whether we're going to do it here on earth or in purgatory for if we're, if we're so if we're so graced to to die in His grace then we will we, we'll, we'll eventually it'll be understood you know, and can you imagine just the, the, the magnificence of heaven, you know, if, if this is the case if what we, we get joys here on earth from things that are probably just, <laughs> they're nothing in, in eternity. So we yeah. have to, uh, but we have to separate, you know, joy from pleasure. And I think that's where we fall. That's where people fall into sin, you know. So, you know, it's only, it's really salvation is not owed to us. I mean, it's purely by the mercy of God that it was, man was given a second chance. And I think, you know, you know. Pope John Paul II was one who truly, really understood that, you know, and that's why he, he stressed prayers like the rosary, you know. You know, the rosary is the prayer of humble submission. It's 67 prayers of humble petition, you know, it's repetitive prayer, you know, but it's a prayer to God through the greatest intercessor that there is, you know, and Archbishop Sheen had some great statements about that. He said that the rosary is the book of the blind where souls see and they are enact the greatest drama of love the world has ever known. It is the book of the simple, which initiates them into the mysteries and knowledge more satisfying than the education of other men. It is the book of the aged, whose eyes close upon the shadow of this world and upon the substance of the next. The power of the rosary is beyond description. And it really is beautiful because, you know, after the holy sacrifice of the mass, it is, it is the prayer. It is our, our Catholic prayer, and it really is the greatest prayer there is. We're praying to Our Lady. She is the greatest intercessor that there is. You know, and the many, many things that the rosary has done are, are, just, are just amazing throughout history. So I have taken another break here. And uh, when we come back, uh, I'd like to wrap up a little more about uh, Pope John Paul II, about our apostolate, the works going on. So this is David Carollo sitting in today for Father Anthony on Winds of Change, on the new EWTN Catholic Radio Voice for Chicagoland, WSFI Catholic Radio, on AM 750 WNDZ, and on
1: an
2: 88.5 FM WSFI.
0: 911, what's the nature of your emergency?
1: When we're in crisis, where do we turn? We turn to our first responders, the people who run to danger to protect us. These days, our first responders do not often receive the acknowledgment they deserve or their bravery. And personal sacrifice. On Sunday, October 24th at 10 a.m., St. Stanislaus Kostka Parish celebrates a Blue Mass recognizing our first responders, including police, fire, and emergency medical personnel. Come and celebrate with us at the Blue Mass Sunday, October 24th at 10 a.m. St. Stanislaus Kostka is located two blocks north of Division on Noble, just off the Kennedy Expressway. Visit STStandsChurch.org St. <laughs> the Wings of Saint Stanislaus Koska Academy St. Stan's is an exceptional private elementary school in Chicago serving preschool, age 3 and 4, pre-kindergarten, kindergarten and first grades We incorporate Catholic values and rigorous academic social-emotional learning Chinese, Spanish, STEM and more providing our students with leadership and life skills to transform our world. St. Stanislaus Koska Academy is conveniently located one block north of Division on Noble, just off the Kennedy Expressway. To schedule your tour, visit ststandschicago.org. ststandschicago.org Welcome back,
2: David Carollo sitting in today for Father Anthony on Winds of Change, and uh, just following up a little more on uh, Saint Pope John Paul II. And, I, and I, again, I, I guess I'm very partial to him because I uh, I, I got I had the honor of actually meeting him four times, and it was just uh, uh, just uh, an amazing man. I mean, he um, he he talked about somebody looking right through you. Uh, the first time I was part of a um, a presentation and we were we were brought into his study there was was eight or nine of us to meet him and it was just the most uh, uh it's like he we stood up and he walked to each one of us and when he looked at you obviously like i said he looked like he looked right through you and and in a way he was so he would look at you and his eyes would say this all right you know everything about me now tell me about you you have you have 30 seconds with the, with the vicar of Christ. Now, you tell me about you. <laughs> and it was, I'll talk about uh, feeling like, um, you know, for those of you who are older, remember the honeymooners, Ralph Cramden, when he's uh, got the chef of the future and he, humana, hum you, know, you have to think, what are you going to say? And we thought it out ahead of time, but it was a beautiful experience. And um, this was the kind of man that he was very dynamic and, and very um, uh, just, just a, a, a grand personality. You know, and his personality was—I believe—you know, God makes us for the tasks of our lives, and his was to be this great leader. And he, you know, and he would—you would he, you'd look at him, and you saw a man who very true. I, don't know, I, I i saw nothing in him that was self-serving at all. I think because of his his background, his start, and I—I I really have always just just had such great admiration for him because he is—you know—he—he he, he was that that. Uh, used to use that term, the man's man. I mean, he was you know he was like the probably the proverbial tough guy when he was younger. You see his life. He was a mountain climber, hiker, and all of that. And I think, I think he gives you. He, he, he was the kind of person you wanted to emulate. But I really felt, and then taking on his position uh, as uh, you know with, with the World Apostle of Fatima, the Blue Army years ago, that I did. Um, he was always an inspiration because he, he just, um, again, his time, you know, in 1981 when he was, when the assassination attempt, and, and um, uh, he, he said it was, it was a statue of Our Lady of Fatima that distracted him and caused him to turn or flashed or something, and that's saved, probably what saved his life, where, where the bullet, when he turned, that bullet that was aiming right at his heart missed his vital organs and he survived. You know he survived because he's you know God meant for him to survive and to be and to do the things he did in those years afterwards and to and to but but to you know even his his life and even his death, you know he was not you know he could have been because I, I, I last time we were able to meet him my wife and I was was in two thousand and four and it was right before he passed away and he was just a shadow of a man. Sitting in this in this this chair that they moved around, they brought a motorized chair. It was more of a big throne, and uh, and I I thought to him, more courage for him to come out in that diminished state. This this vibrant man, you know, who twenty some years prior had taken a world by storm, you know, this this tough Slavic individual, you know, and here he was. He was dying. He was diminished. His head was down. But he was still, he was not going to just go into the, into the back room and disappear. He was going to be there with people and show them, you live strong, and now you have to die. We all have to go through this. And he, he gave us a clinic on death, too, on really the, what it really meant to die a Christian death after, after your time is up. You know We're all here for a finite period. And you know I, I always say, even in the work I'm doing here, um, I have to leave this place better than I found it if I'm able to, at least to the degree I can. Because if I don't at least attempt that, I'm not fulfilling my duties. If I'm not out looking for, for people that can, that can readily be there to replace me when I'm ready, you know, uh, I'm not doing my job. I can't be concerned about somebody you know, bypassing me or anything like that. I have to do my best to get the best people around. And, and I think that's the, really the story of Pope John Paul II. He was just a, just a man of, of our time. And, uh, and again, you know, uh, sure, I, I look at him mostly in, in light of the Fatima message because that's the world I live in here and, and what I promote. But I, I just think it was just so, so right for him to be where he was when he was. And I was just very honored that, you know, the many years and the things I did in, in Europe and in Rome, uh, even prior to my time in this apostolate, you know, revolved around him. It was his church. And just, you know, just to, uh, uh, to see the, um, I, I mean, I, I think he brought, as I said earlier, he brought the, the, the papacy back to political relevance. Uh, and it's no disrespect meant to his predecessors. I mean, you know, he did, he brought about, he, he moved ahead and, and, and had the consecration, which, which Our Lady had asked for. And I know people disagree with that. They say, no, it wasn't done properly and all. Sister Lucia the last surviving seer said this consecration was accepted by heaven that's all i need to hear and john paul you know pope john paul knew he was he wanted he wanted so many things he, he wanted to bring the east back you know our apostolate owned for many years the famous icon of kazan our founder saw it it was the icon of kazan which is one of the one of the treasured icons of the romanov family in russia And it had been taken out, uh, stolen, smuggled out. A lot of people say basically probably what happened is the communists were selling these artifacts, these beautiful things. And, and, you know, the art, you know, knowing what they were, they needed money. They were on a black market. And and, uh, through through many machinations. we were able to get it in the nineteen sixties. Our founder saw the value of it and took it. We had it in our chapel, our Byzantine chapel in Domus Pachus, because when that when Domus Pachus was built, it was with you know keeping in mind our Lady's statements of Russia and the East and the conversion. And so we have this beautiful Byzantine chapel, the only Byzantine chapel in Fatima, Portugal that that we housed the icon of Kazan for many years. And in in in, in the nineteen nineties The Holy Father became aware of it, and he asked for it, and of course, we, we gladly handed it. We bought it with the understanding that we would return it to the Russian people when it was possible, when the communists were gone. And our organization followed through on these promises. Of course, when the Holy Father asked for it, he took it. His hope was to be the person to bring it back to Russia and give it back to the patriarch. And well, his health deteriorated to the point, probably because he was a Pole, the politics made it different, excuse me, made it very difficult for him to ever go to Russia. That was, his, that was his big disappointment, I believe. He wanted to be the Holy Father that went and met with the patriarch in Russia. A Pole and a Russian, Because of their difficult history, you know, a Catholic and an Orthodox uh, leader coming together, excuse me, in Christian brotherhood, and by this act. But he did fulfill that act, sending that beautiful icon back to, and now, you know, it was sitting in in the church in, in Kazan, and now they've just finished the new basilica there, the Orthodox Basilica, and it has been brought in there. So we fulfilled our promise, the Holy Father helped us fulfill that promise, and it's so appropriate that it was this Fatima Pope, St. Pope John Paul II, who really, you know, brought this to its completion. Uh, He knew what it was, and he knew what it was about, and he knew that, you know, Our Lady spoke of the conversion of Russia, and when she spoke of the conversion of Russia, she's speaking of the conversion of communism, and it's not over, let's be realistic. Yes. He made a consecration in 1984, but it would be too late, it was said. Our Lady said that, and it was too late. It was too late to keep Russia from spreading her errors. Those errors spread. Today, we're dealing primarily with, with the evils that are coming out I, from from China. I mean, China has become the, 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 the communist uh, headquarters of the world, and it's very dangerous. Uh, wonderful people in China, believe me. I, I, I have great respect for the Chinese people, but not for the, not for this, this atheistic government, which like the atheistic government in, um, in Russia, um, is wreaking havoc on the world. I mean, really even here in many ways. And I think that, you know, we, but we can overcome all of this by prayer. You know, the, the, the Soviet Union fell, not by arms. There was not a single gunshot fired bringing down the Soviet Union. If we if it was done once in nineteen nineties and when the Berlin Wall came down the late eighties into nineties, you know, in nineteen ninety one when the flag finally came down over the over the Kremlin, the Russian the this excuse me, the communist flag, you know, if it was done once, it could be done again. And we are an apostolate that is that is vowed to bring this about. Our Lady wants devotion to her Immaculate Heart. And you know in the end, my Immaculate Heart will triumph. And take that to the bank, folks. But it'll happen when we merit it. That's why you know the practice of the five first Saturdays is so extremely important. Please, if you're not doing it, you want information, our website, BlueArmy.com, has all the information you need to learn more about this. Uh, our all-night vigils, our prayer. Join, Sign the pledge. The pledge that we have is the pledge that was developed by our founder and Sister Lucia in 1947. And it's a pledge to, you know, basically live your Christian life. That's all it really asks you to do. It asks you to live as good Catholics, you know, in accord with the Gospels. Pray the rosary every day, you know. Um, strive to do this first Saturday's devotion, the five first Saturdays, and then continue on. Don't stop at five. And to, and to live, you know, be, be devoted where the brown scapular, be devoted to, to that, that devotion and, and these are the things that are going to win the day. It's, I mean, we can, you know, maybe having the biggest guns, maybe living in America and always having what was the strongest military, but this is weakening today. You know, we're going to win. As St. Paul said, we're going to win. There's no doubt about it. But, boy, we have to fight. We have to keep fighting harder and harder as Catholics and as, as people of, of goodwill, and not just as Catholics. We have to come together with others, you know, not, not by giving up, but not the kind of humanism that, that waters down our faith. But taking what what's in common with many good Christian people who understand the same dangers that are out there, and and bring them to understand where we're at too. But but work together to fight for the salvation of souls, and we will save this country. There, there is absolutely no doubt about it. Or Our Lady will save this country. I think. So uh, so you know, in the words of Saint Pope John Paul II, you know, be not afraid be strong. Thank you so much. For more information, please come to our website bluearmy.com and uh, look uh, for, for the many initiatives that we have going. Wonderful to be here today. Thank you and God bless you.